0: We're reading today from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verses four through six. We're continuing our sermon series entitled, By His Stripes. In fact, this is the passage that includes that phrase. In verse five, it says, by his scourging, by his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. And so go ahead and be finding your way to Isaiah chapter 53 verses 4 through 6. And as you do, let me tell you the story. This is a true story. In 1989, a 14-foot bronze crucifix was stolen from the Calvary Cemetery in Little Rock, Arkansas. When it was dedicated in 1930, this bronze fixture was valued at $10,000. Who knows how much it was worth nearly 60 years later? Not taking into account the artistry or the collective value if it were to be sold. $10,000 in 1930 was equivalent to almost $75,000 in 1989. But evidently thieves cut the bronze crucifix from a granite altar and hauled it away in a pickup truck. And then they proceeded to cut it into pieces and sold it for scrap for $450. They obviously did not know the value of that bronze cross. It's easy for us to hear that story and think how foolish could somebody be? But let me ask this, do we understand the value of the real cross of Christ? I don't mean the wooden cross itself. I mean what Jesus did for us on the cross When he died in our place, do we understand the value of the cross? Do we realize what that is worth to us? Do we have any idea what it cost God? As many of you know, Isaiah 53 is a song. It is the song of the suffering servant. The suffering servant that the prophet describes is the prophesied Messiah. Jesus is that servant who suffered on our behalf. And no stanza in this song says it better than the one we're reading today as we're giving our attention to the substitution of the suffering servant. Let's read verses 4 through 6. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well being fell upon him. And by his scourging, the New American Standard says, by his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Think with me for these next few moments about the substitution of the suffering servant. In the last couple of weeks, we've talked about his success And his sorrow. Next week and the week after, Lord willing, we'll bring the suffering of God's servant into even clearer focus by walking through the stanzas that deal with his sacrifice and his salvation. But for now, I want you to notice the substitution of the suffering servant. 700 years before Jesus was even born, Isaiah promised, among other details, that Messiah would become our substitute. He would take upon himself our pain and our punishment for our sin. We owed a debt we could not pay. And Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. Using the currency of his own blood. Jesus is our substitute. The last phrase of verse 6 sums up for us the theme of this stanza. It is the bottom line. The Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. All of our sins were placed on him. All of the guilt for all the sins from all the ages was placed on Jesus when he was hanged on the cross. The Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. I want you to see four things today. First, I want you to notice the suffering servant bore the accumulated weight of our sin. Jesus, the suffering servant and our substitute, bore the accumulated weight of our sin. Pastor, what do you mean by the accumulated weight of our sin? I'm talking about all the sins of all humanity Stretching from the Garden of Eden in Genesis to the final amen of humanity at the end of the revelation. Every hostile heart, every act of aggression, all the sins of every soul who've ever lived and who will ever live being transferred to Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 puts it this way. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. In other words, Jesus, although he was sinless, was treated like a sinner. He became our substitute and the guilt for our sins was transferred from our account in God's ledger to the account of Jesus in that same ledger. He bore the punishment and paid the penalty for our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. But he bore not just the guilt of our sin, but also the compounding consequences of our sin. Words like transgressions and iniquities, verse five, speak of sins. Words like griefs and sorrows on the other hand verse 4 speak of what sin has produced but in both cases surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried he was pierced through for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities jesus bore the accumulated weight of sin as our substitute the wages of sin is death Romans 6 23 and that bill was coming due for all of us but he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 we know this now at least those of us who believe know this now but Isaiah prophesied that second Messiah's suffering on our behalf would be misunderstood Messiah's suffering on our behalf would be misunderstood. Look at verse 4 again. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. We thought that God was punishing him. That God was beating him for something he did. But he was being punished for what we did. The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but unto us who are being saved it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1:18. The preaching, the word, the message of the cross sounds like insanity to those who do not believe. The Jews of Jesus' day taunted Jesus on the cross. He saved others, but he cannot save himself, they said. Messiah's suffering on our behalf would be misunderstood. Even Jesus' own disciples could not comprehend what was happening as Jesus was crucified. Even though Jesus had told them time and again what he was going to do and what was going to happen when when he returned to Jerusalem. Luke chapter 18, verses 31 through 34 tell us the story. Tell us one occasion of Jesus talking to them. Then he took the 12 aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But the disciples understood none of these things. And the meaning of this statement was hidden from them. And they did not comprehend the things that were said. Messiah's suffering on our behalf would be misunderstood. There's a well known piece of crude artwork in Rome from about AD 200 that depicts a worshiper standing before a crucified figure with the body of a man but the head of a donkey. The inscription beneath the picture reads Alexaminos worships his God. Obviously, this this crude piece of artwork is making fun of those who worship a crucified Savior. That was how the unbelieving world regarded the message of the cross. Messiah's suffering on our behalf would be misunderstood. Isaiah prophesied it long before the fact. You know, people still misunderstand what Jesus did and why he did it. There are folk today who hold signs and wear t-shirts that say, if Jesus returns, kill him again. Because the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And honestly, and and this is our third point, we are all guilty. Verse 6 says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. All of us are guilty. And throughout this stanza, our guilt is obvious. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. All of us like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to his own way but the lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him god used the music of david meese to help call me into ministry 40 years ago and i have been blessed by his music ever since i still sing one of my favorites uh, and in the chorus there's this 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 uh, I don't know, these these verses, these uh, lines that say, and we are the reason that he gave his life. We are the reason that he suffered and died. To a world that was lost, he gave all he could give to show us the reason to live. We are all guilty. We are the reason. Now we know this biblically. Romans 3:23 all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We know this biblically. 1 Kings 8:46 Solomon prayed, for there is no one who does not sin. We know this biblically. Ecclesiastes 7:20 Solomon once again, indeed there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. We are all guilty and we know this biblically. But truth be told, we all know this personally. Every one of us. In our heart of hearts, if we know anything about the Jesus of the Bible, we know that we are sinners. We know that there is something broken in us that time does not heal. We are all guilty. But by his stripes, we are healed. Through all that Jesus suffered as our substitute, by grace, through faith, we are made whole. By his stripes, we are healed. That phrase is often quoted when praying for people to be physically healed. But physical healing is only a part of what Isaiah was talking about in this stanza. Verse four, surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. That word grief means sickness. And as we saw last week, that word sorrow means pain. In verse five, when Isaiah speaks of stripes, he's actually describing all the physical punishment and pain that Messiah would endure. He's not just talking about the beating that Jesus would get, but he's describing everything, pierced and crushed, For instance, he's talking about everything. He's talking about nails in in the hands and feet of Jesus. He's talking about the crown of thorns. He's he's talking about all the punishment, all the pain, all the suffering that Jesus would go through. All of this. What's described, not just in verse 5, but also in verse 4. All of this, though. The griefs, the sorrows, the 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 piercing, the grief, the stripes, all of this was realized in the crucifixion of Jesus. But what does all of this mean? Well, you've probably heard the phrase, Scripture interprets Scripture. It means that the Bible is the best commentary on itself. There are two times in the New Testament when a New Testament writer quotes from this stanza of the song of the suffering servant. And while we can't know exact dates, Matthew's gospel and Peter's first epistle were most likely written in the early 60s, not 1960s, but AD 60s. We don't know if or when they knew of one another's writings or who wrote first, but here's what we do know. In Matthew chapter eight, verses 16 and 17, we read, when everything came, excuse me, when when evening came, They brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. And so Matthew points to Jesus' ministry of physical healing and to Isaiah 53, 4, and says, when Isaiah wrote of Messiah bearing our griefs and carrying our sorrows, this is what he was talking about. Matthew helps to explain that for us. He becomes our commentator, if you will. Peter, however... Points to Messiah's suffering and says, This is what Isaiah meant when he wrote, By his stripes we are healed. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that he might, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, by his stripes, you were healed. And so Peter clearly associated by his stripes, we are healed with Spiritual healing, not physical healing. Spiritual healing that comes through the work of Christ upon the cross. He's talking about Jesus healing our sin sick souls so that we can live lives marked by his righteousness. So what are we to to make of this? Matthew says that Christ's suffering makes physical healing possible. Peter says that Christ's suffering makes spiritual healing possible. What are we to make of that? Well, they're both true. They're both true, both physical healing and spiritual healing, but we need to understand that there is something more important, infinitely more important than physical healing. And that's spiritual healing. To know that our sins are forgiven that we are right with god that we are at peace with our creator that spiritual healing is infinitely more important than physical healing we actually misunderstand jesus's miracles including the miracle of physical healing if we think that the miracles themselves are the point jesus never performed a miracle to put on a show i mean sure he He met immediate needs with miracles, but he was always bringing attention to a much more important need, that of a person's relationship with God. Do you remember the story from Mark chapter 2, where some men were trying to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus, but they couldn't push through the crowd? And so what did they do? They... They went onto the roof, tore through the roof, and let their friend down into the room, into the presence of Jesus on a rope. They let their friend down to Jesus. Verse five says, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. But the religious experts said that Jesus blasphemed when he said that. Who can forgive sin but God alone? They were right, by the way, that only God can forgive sin. But they were wrong in their understanding of who Jesus is. So Jesus said, verse 9, which is easier to say, to, uh, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk. In other words, he could say the words, your sins are forgiven, but who would know whether they were or whether they weren't? So, so he's asking, which is easier, to just speak those words or to bring physical healing to a paralytic? Which is easier? And the obvious answer is, well, it'd be easier to say those words. I mean, those, how can you prove that? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins... He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. And the man was healed instantly. Which is easier, to speak some words or to perform a miracle in your presence? And they would say, well, it's easier to speak those words. Then I'll do the hard thing. And he healed the man. But that physical healing was secondary to the spiritual healing of this man's soul. Miracles and healing, signs and wonders were never intended to be ends unto themselves. They were always a means to an end, and that end is forgiveness. By his stripes, we are healed. Through all that Jesus suffered as our substitute, by grace through faith, we are made whole. Pastor, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to balk at technicality, but um, <clears throat> Jesus had not yet suffered and died. So I'm actually glad that you bring that up. All the healings and all the forgiveness prior to the cross were granted at the time on credit. But it wasn't until Christ Jesus, the suffering servant, took his place upon the cross that the bill was paid. In fact, the next to last thing Jesus said from the cross was, It is finished. That was an accounting term, a single word in the Greek, but it was an accounting term that meant paid in full by his stripes we are healed. Through Jesus our substitute, we are made whole. I wonder today how many within the reach of my voice are thinking to themselves, oh, that I could be made whole. I feel like my life has been so fractured by bad choices or by by things that people have done to me or by this or that. And, and, and there's just this longing to be made whole, this longing to be healed. I wonder how many today long for Jesus as our substitute to make them whole.